It's time for Q's Cover 3, NFL news and notes of the day, here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Just want to get into a few little news and some nuggets that uh, that I've kind of gathered throughout the course of the day. And the first one, if you're with us in the 3 o'clock hour, I talked to John McClain about it a little bit, but the Washington football team continues to be the Washington football team. And the U.S. House Committee on Oversight and Reform <laughs> sent a letter to the Federal Trade Commission. Think about that. Just think about that opening statement right there. The U.S. House Committee on Oversight and Reform sent a letter to the Federal Trade Commission stating that Commander's owner Daniel Snyder may have engaged in a troubling, long-running, and potentially unlawful pattern of financial conduct, according to the Washington Post. That's a mouthful right there, man. Hey, y'all, he's stealing. (laughs) That's the translation right there. He was stealing. He was taking money from others and keeping money from the NFL, keeping money from the other owners. I mean, this dude is so crazy. It's like he's the Teflon God, right? He's just like, he doesn't, he's almost like bulletproof. It's so bizarre that he could do everything that he's done, have as many issues as he has going on with that squad, and they just kind of turn their head, look the other way, nothing to see here. But I promise you, it's going to be different now that there's actually money. I mean, the letter goes on to say that Snyder allegedly, want to make sure we use that word allegedly, withheld upwards of $5 million in refundable deposits from season ticket holders and also hid money that was supposed to be shared among NFL owners. Former Washington Commanders v- VP Jason Friedman told the Oversight Committee that the Commanders had two sets of books and intentionally allocated NFL revenue to non-NFL events at FedEx Field like concerts, college games, so that it wouldn't be part of the NFL's revenue sharing pool. I also think that the reason that he is so Teflon is that he owns 100% of the team. Or if I think if it was like a family business where it's like, oh, maybe there's a brother or sister you could give it to, or another co-owner or minority owner has has a good chunk of the ownership, maybe they would like put a little bit more pressure on him. But when you own 100% of the team, yeah, it's, hard to, yeah, it's hard to get that guy out. You know, you're right. I just don't know. I mean, they've already uh, made him say that his wife is doing the day-to-day, you know, runnings of the of the team, which I find that hard to believe as well. I think that that is, you know, more BS. It's just, it's just, it's, it's like, it's almost like he has something on the rest of the league where he could just continue to go back to it, you know what I mean, and not not be forced into any kind of situation. But again, when you start dealing with the NFL and the NFL's money, that's when it really starts to get sticky because they, regardless of who you are, they want to make sure that they get their money. Once they feel like you're stealing from them, hey, you can steal from the public. You can steal from this, that, and the other. But once you're stealing from the NFL, oh, hey, look, we've got to do something about this guy. Exactly. And, I, you know, follow me down Conspiracy Theory Corner again oh, one goes. more time. Do you think, I'm not saying that all the teams do this, but do you think there's some other teams that's like, man, Daniel Snyder, you're really ruining for us because we do the same thing. <laughs> I mean, now that's, you know, now, look, I laugh at some of the conspiracy theories that you talk about, but you have to wonder if they're cooking the books, what other teams are cooking the books? Can't say that it's, uh, you know, unimaginable that other teams would say, oh, let's have our own set of books over here and our own sets of books over here. And if we have an event come here, we'll put it over here on this, this revenue book. So I won't show up in this book. No, you're, you're, that's one I could actually say that I can, I can buy that one. I could buy that one. And I definitely believe that that's one that is happening. No doubt. 
No doubt. And maybe it opens up a can of worms to to see who else may be, you know, maybe it takes a deeper dive into everyone's books. Might. You never know. That's something that I don't think any NFL owner wants. No, 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 not at all. But we'll see. We'll see exactly what goes from there. Uh, I think if anything's going to get Daniel Snyder out of there, this would be the case that's going to get Daniel Snyder out of there. But again, he's been able to uh, wiggle his way out of every situation since anything that happens there. So he'll probably find a way to get his way out of that. But we'll see. Maybe he'll make a big, large donation to someone, and they'll be like, oh, never mind, nothing happened. Nothing to see here. How about this? Let me know if you'd be interested in see this. We talk about uh, we talk about racing, not racing, but we talk about basketball. We talk about you know playing these different events and doing all these different things against each other. What about would you be interested in a Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle race, forty yard dash? One hundred percent. Well, uh, Jalen Waddle knew that that was going to be a, a question that was asked to him, and uh, he said on the I Am Athlete podcast that uh, I knew this was coming. And uh, the day after the trade was made, where Tyreek Hill uh, became a member of the Miami Dolphins, basically they already talked about, hey, let's let's go on and get this this race out of the way, so because everyone's going to ask us about it. So apparently they got this lined up. So who do you think wins it? Oh, Tyreek Hill. Think so? Yeah. Think he still got it. Uh, I think he has it too. I just think Waddle's really good. Maybe I just want to maybe I just like Waddle more. 40 yard dash. I mean, who had the higher co- combine time? I don't even know. I couldn't even tell you, but uh yeah, I, I like I like Jalen Waddle more. He comes from Alabama, so I'm going to roll with him. Doesn't mean he's going to win, but I would be interested in seeing that that race. That's the kind of stuff that I would rather see at the at the Pro Bowl than, you know what I mean, than see the Pro Bowl itself. I'd rather see the 40-yard dash. I'd rather see head-to-head competition with these players. Like, we saw some. We saw a little bit of the skills competition, even though, and I, and I didn't. I don't think I even asked you what your thoughts were on the skills competition at the Pro Bowl. I didn't like the fact that it all happened one day, and then we saw it the next day. You know what I mean? Like Not they, a big fan of tape delay? No. No. Why? Uh, you know what I mean? I've, I've, got, got, I've got no reason for why it was taped the next day. I just, I just, I mean... Why do that? And then the the problem was like guys like Adam Hill and Vinny and and Vic Tafer and Tashawn, if they go out there, Paul Gutierrez, myself, if we had gone out there to the skills competition, I did not. But if we had gone out there, we actually weren't allowed to do anything. We weren't allowed to tweet anything. We weren't allowed to, you know, give any information because it was tape delayed. And it wasn't gonna be till the next day. So I thought that that was kinda kinda weird. And then remember it was so cold? Remember how cold it was where everyone was like freezing? Oh, I didn't like that. Oh no, we got an update. Who was it? Vegas Pete that said, Let's ask Kayla. What she thinks about the run game? Yeah. Got a text back. Okay. Here we go. Now you know you better cover for me. LMAO. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> and then she just texts back again. They better kill it. How about that? Okay. There you go. I like it. They better kill it. There you go. That's that's Kayla's uh, breakdown of the run game for the Raiders this year. They better kill it. Josh Jacobs, no pressure. There you go, Vic. Kenyon Drake, no pressure. Just go out there, Brandon Bolden. No pressure. Just go out there and kill it. According to Kayla, hey, I like it. I like. Hey, she broke it down the best way she could. Go out there and kill it. I like that. The Jaguars they waived former Alabama All American linebacker Dylan Moses today. Uh, what do you think about him, Dylan Moses? Uh, any interest in him? Do you think that that's a guy that, uh, as a as a downhill uh, thumper, do you think he's a guy that you'd be interested in? Nah, because if the Jaguars are releasing you, right. 
How well, good. you remember he he got hurt and tore up his. Uh, I think he tore his ACL while he was still at Alabama, and really forced him to go back. Actually, it didn't force him to go back to school. He chose to go back to school another year. Uh, I, I like Dylan Moses a lot when he was in school, but I, I'm kind of with you. I think that that injury really kind of derailed him. And uh, like you said, if the Jaguars they release him, then there's probably a reason for that. And don't think that that's a really good option, especially this early into the off season. Mm-hmm. How much work have they even seen him produce? Right, new new regime. You would think that they would want to give such a young player a chance, right? And then for them to say, "Hey, man, sorry, but no thanks." I just found something very intriguing, and I'm sure that this is going to be a story that I tell that nobody's going to have any idea what I what it means. But I keep seeing Willie Ramirez and Carol, uh, Carolina T going back and forth on Twitter, and Willie's trying to impress Carolina with his uh, skills in cooking and making spaghetti. Uh, he said, neighbors have seen me throw jars of pre-made sauce into the street. A dude should know how to make a nice sauce and have a bottle of red decanting, I think he meant, I don't know, wine while cooking <laughs> for his queen. And then she said, please record this next time. No problem. My IG stories always have sauce sauce days along with plenty of cooking. Sound like Willie's trying to do I some cooking. I see you, Willie. We only bring up Willie because he's a... Uh, He's a co-host on Cofield and Company on uh, on our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas. Of course, Carolina Teague's been on the show multiple times. She's out in San Antonio, does a great job covering basketball, covers the fight game. Uh, that's someone that you should have on the show for the fight game. She's really good at that. That's a that's a little uh, 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 um, a, a show that Demond's working on. What is it again? Talk about it. Uh, it's going to be the fight game. Going to have some promos running here pretty soon. Well, tell everybody what about the fight okay, game. Talk about game the show. We're going to cover everything combat sports. I mean, Heidi Fang is going to be a part of the show. Okay. Adam Hill of the Review Journal. Okay. These are two people that are heavily steeped in the MMA game, but yep. not only MMA, boxing, pro wrestling, something that's near and dear to my heart. Anything that you can fake think. Fake wrestling. It's it's real. It's still real it's to really me. It's really fake. Q, I'm telling you. <laughs> I know, hey, I'm not going to piss in your Cheerios today. Today's a good day. Go ahead. I know that this name is not going to do anything for you. But Logan Paul, when he wrestled at WrestleMania, he mm-hmm. was like, yo, BS for people that say it's fake. You know, my body's still hurting. You know, you gotta you, you gotta be an athlete to do this. I don't hey, you're I'm not you're not wrong about that. You do have to be an athlete, but when they're already when the results are already scripted, that to me is fake. But I get it. But it's entertainment. No one's saying that it's a real contest. This isn't like the nineteen sixties where they'd be <laughs> all, hey man, we're going we gotta make it look real. Okay. I got you. You know, I got now, you. now it's on I the open it. that it's scripted entertainment. I respect it. Yeah, I respect it. I just, you know, it's just not for me. But that's okay. So, that's the show. Well, you don't even be... like movies, though, so you don't it's really true. like to be entertained this like that. This is true. This is true. I'm definitely a, a yeah, I'm a, I'm an oddball. I can, I can. And make... then you're so competitive, I'm sure that takes away from it. That that's you're right. just like, ah, well, we already know who's going to win, so why does it matter? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, okay, so your show, The, the fight, fight Game. Game. Okay, so when is it going to, when is it airing? On what day? Thursday, April 21st. Okay, what time is it going to be at? 11 a.m. Okay, so come on before JT's show, and it'll be on our sister station, 1230 a.m. The Game. Yep, yep. Okay, and it's going to be at 11 o'clock starting next Thursday, and it's going to be, at least for now, once a week. Once a week, you know, just, you know, if the people start clamoring Well, you just got to dip your toes into the water. And then that too. Yeah, you got to start off slow. It's kind of like doing a weekend show, and then you improve, and you do longer. See, and this is all free pub we're giving you right now. This is good. You know what I mean? It's almost like I'm a program director. You Thank know? It's you. Almost, it's almost like I'm working on things. Anyway, so uh, we're working on your show, and it's going to be April 21st, which is, you know, what, less than 
less than 10 days away from now. So there you go. Pretty excited about that. DeMond's been working really hard in the background trying to put this show together. Him and Jared have been working on some things. And so I'm excited for it, man. So that that's that's what we have to look forward to. April 21st, 11 a.m. That's a Thursday. It's going to be on our sister station, 1230 a.m. The game is called The Fight Game. Right? Woo! Yes, The Fight Game. All right, man. I'll tell you right now. Let me tell you one thing that I'll tell you. The best piece of advice I could ever give you, no one will ever advertise your show better than you. So you better step up your promo game because I just threw out all the details. You got to be ready to wrap that thing. And Like I'm talking about Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, ain't nobody going to represent like you, right? Gotta make that happen, man. Gotta make that happen. Final note for cover three NFL news and notes today, and then we'll take a break. Uh, Noah Fant, he became the first player from the 2019 draft class to have his fifth year option picked up. So I bring that up because the Raiders have three players from that 2019 draft class that have an opportunity to get their fifth year option picked up. Clee Farrell, he was picked number four overall. Don't expect him to get his picked up. Josh Jacobs, number 24 overall. I'm kind of on the fence with this one. Kind of on the fence. I think he deserves to get it picked up. I just am on the fence because he's a running back, you know, and I just don't know if it was $10 million, like it was anticipated at first, I would say there's no way. Hell no. But now that it's $8 million, and I know that doesn't sound like a big difference. I feel like it's a little bit of difference where they can say, yeah, you know what? That $8 million is worth it. So I'm thinking I'm starting to lean towards he's going to get that picked up. Jonathan Abram, I don't think there's any chance that he gets his, his fifth year option picked up. I just don't. Maybe he comes out and balls out this coming season. I think he could, but he just, just nobody's seen it. Nobody's seen it. You know, I don't think that they they give you a fifth-year option for what you could do. They give you a fifth-year option for what you have done. And he, unfortunately, hasn't done enough. And I like Jonathan Abram. I like the energy he brings to the table. I like the way that he, you know, wants to deliver a big hit. You know, he just he's got a good edge to him. Of course, you know me. I like guys with edge. He just hasn't been able to put it together and stay healthy throughout the course of his career. And that's the unfortunate part. Even last year, before he, you know, before he got hurt, he was playing good ball. He was playing good ball against everybody but Kansas City. <laughs> and that's because Kansas City had a plan. They said, okay, that's that's the area that we want to target. And we're going to go after him. So, man, I'm seeing all these. There's a lot of crazy things going on these days. It was super windy here yesterday. Now I'm seeing people from Central Texas that I used to uh, work with saying tornado warnings are going on right now in uh, Central Texas. Of course, they had the tragedy in New York in the subway earlier today. Rest in peace, to, or not rest in peace, but just prayers to everyone that's involved in that. So rest in peace. I'm not trying to bury anybody, but I was just, I mean, that, that, was a, that was a bad situation that was going on in the subway there in New York. Just so many crazy things going on, man. If you ain't out there and you ain't being safe, man, you don't know what's, what's going on. Better be safe out there in these, these uh, crazy streets. There's a there's a lot of uh, nuts going on, you know, just things that you see happen. You're like, wait a minute, that really happened? You know, unfortunately, there was a terrible, and I mean terrible, uh, situation that happened at uh, El Dorado High School right here in, in in the Las Vegas area. Terrible situation. Should never happen. Uh, man, there's just prayers to all the families that are being affected these, uh, these days with uh, a bunch of craziness going on. And uh, even though it's not as windy as it was yesterday, still be safe out in their streets, man, because that, that wind and – and all that dust flying and everything, that, that really could start picking up and you could be in a bad, bad position. So there you go. 4.15 is your time. When we come back, I'm going to hear from Brandon Marshall. I almost forgot the piece. I did. I, almost, I literally almost forgot the piece that, that because we've been talking. How many days have we been talking about playing this? Over a week. At least over a week. So it's, it's one of those things we get going 
and we we run out of time, and I don't get to play. But Brandon Marshall was actually on the I Am Athlete podcast. He's part of that podcast, and it's a you know TV. It's one you can see on YouTube and everything. It's really good. Uh, a bunch of former athletes on there, and he was talking about Josh McDaniels and his offense. And so I want you to hear it, and then we'll talk about it. We'll do that next. This is Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. Hey, Raider Nation, this is Bill Romanowski, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. Boom. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. 420 is the time. Eric Galco, Director of Personnel for the Shrine Bowl and also NFL Draft Prospect Guru, will join us in about 10 minutes. Talk all things NFL Draft as far as it goes when it comes to you know, later round draft picks as the Raiders don't pick until round three, pick number 86 overall. So that'll come up at about 4.30 right here on Raider Nation Radio 920, live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Demon Cotton and your boy Q had a couple text messages I wanted to get to and then some Brandon Marshall audio wanted you to hear real quick. Uh, Vegas Pete hit us up on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Uh, he said, screw Snyder. Mark Davis is making all the right moves, 111% up since moving to Vegas. And then got another text from the 707. I told you Snyder's going to get arrested for tax evasion for taking in that extra income and not claiming it. That's a good point. It's a good point. Two good points right there uh, for sure. Thank you so much, Vegas Pete, and also that text from the 707. Uh, Snyder is a shady, shady dude. It's not like we didn't already know that. Uh, everyone's been on this show and told us about it. Megan Ebert, remember we had her on. Uh, she was part of the, the the young ladies that worked in the Washington organization that was dealing with all the sexual harassment and all the issues and uh, wanted to, the report to be released, and it never was. So, yeah, Daniel Snyder's got definitely some shady tendencies. And uh, you're right, Vegas Pete, about what Mark Davis is doing. He is doing all big things since coming to Vegas has made the Raiders organization worth so much more money. Uh, and that was that's what happens when you get a brand new stadium. And then, of course, they got the facility right there in Henderson that is second to none. I mean, really state of the art. You heard Brandon Bolden on the show on Friday talk about the the facility and how it was just amazing when he walked around it. So uh, I, I tip the cap all the time to what Mark Davis is doing with the Raiders. I think he's doing a fantastic job. Uh, someone pointed out to me the other day, and I hate that I don't remember exactly the, the right quote because I'm guaranteed to mess it up. But to a certain extent, it was basically – Colin Cowherd was talking about the Lakers and saying that ever since Dr. Buss had passed away, that organization wasn't ran correctly. And it's not. It's all the issues with the Lakers, and I'm not going to go on a big rant about the Lakers. I think everyone knows how I feel about them. Their issues start at the top. And the point of the text that was sent to me was ever since Mark Davis has taken over after Al passed, it feels like he's tried to make the organization uh, you know, it, it sustainable and, and really – uh, you know, stand stand on its legs and, and be a strong uh, foundation, have a strong foundation. And uh, he did that even with John Gruden and gave him the long deal and said, okay, this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to move this thing forward and you're going to be my football guy. I'm going to take care of the business side. And, of course, I got my team to do the business thing. Now, it didn't work out with Gruden, but you saw what his plan was. And so now with this new front office with Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler, Champ Kelly, and, and everyone else that's there in the, the organization, it just feels like, again, we're not going to really know about the stability of it until we actually see it play out and see how it goes for a few years. But you feel like that the organization is in a really good, stable place. When you look at the organization there in L.A. with the Lakers, you're like, yeah, they're not very stable. They've got a lot of issues. They feel, it feels like to me, and this is just me, I'm not a Laker hater. I'm not a fan of the team, but I'm not a hater either. It feels like to me that they just find some stuff 
They, they, they grab some mud and throw it at the wall and hope it sticks. Where this is not what it seems like with the Raiders. It seems like they're very stable as far as the decisions that they're making. They're very well-calculated decisions. Uh, they're not rushed to judgment, really, oh, going to go make this quick quick decision. doesn't feel like that. It just feels like that it's, it's, it's very calculated decisions that they're making moving forward. Yeah, you say that, but LeBron, I mean, you got to do it for LeBron. They got a championship. They just won, what, two seasons ago? I know, but... Because we j- we talked about that last week, where it was just like, how long does it last? Right, they I mean, did. It's still, it's worth something. No, it, it is definitely. I, I don't want to diminish what a what a, a championship does and what it means. But man, I'll tell you, it just it just doesn't feel like the decisions are right that they're making. It feels like they're and and LeBron's got got to take some of the blame too. He's recruited all his homeboys, you know. But again, when I say that it just, it starts at the top, he recruited his homeboys. Everyone at the top signed off on it and said, okay, that's a good idea. Where they could have overruled it, like what I think Pat Riley would have done in Miami, and would have been like, hey, "That's cool. I know you want your homeboys, but Melo's not it. I know you want your homeboy Westbrook, but he ain't it. I know you want this guy, but he ain't it." And Riley would have done that and had the stones to tell LeBron, "No, everyone doesn't have that." That's why I think it worked in Miami really well because Pat Riley was in the background, like, "Oh, Eric, I got your back." Talking about the head coach Spolstra, you know, I got your back. Don't worry, we'll handle this. Like, who's who's telling LeBron no in L.A. right now? And then you got Magic Johnson on TV talking about, oh, slandering him every yeah, chance he yeah, gets. Yeah, man, that was foul, man. That was foul. Like I said, I didn't mean to go on the Lakers rant here at all, but that was just foul. He goes out there to promote his new stuff that he's got coming out, and he's like, well, I, I handpicked DeRozan. I had him hand delivered. His agent called me. I set it up. They turned it down. I, I hand delivered LeBron to. I, I, it's just unnecessary. You don't have to do that. He did it all. He wants his credit. I know, but he don't need Gosh, his credit. Darn it. He didn't ask for his credit when he was the head coach and it didn't work out. He didn't ask for his credit when he was in the front office and it didn't work out. But when he left the front office, he basically had laid all the building blocks. According to let him tell it. Yes. It wouldn't have happened without him. I'm just I, I'm not I'm not okay with that. And I get it. You're Magic Johnson. I get it. You're a great businessman. You've done all kinds of great things in your no, life. He's I not. get it. Passed up on that Nike. I know you don't watch the show Winning Time, mm-hmm. but he's I a, he, it yet. he's made he's even like referenced this. There was a clip of him. Phil Knight offered him Nike stock, yeah, instead of Converse. Just offered him like whatever the contract was, right? And he like he could have been a billionaire, however many times over, right? If he would have took that stock in '79, well, instead of the money that Converse was giving you. Well, he did take. Uh, he did make uh, make some good decisions when it came to the movie theaters and Starbucks, and the Dodgers. I mean, he's made some good. Business moves, I'll give him that. But I just don't think throwing throwing the team under the bus and talking about all the great things that he had set up for them and they failed to do, I, I didn't think that that was it. But that's that's just me. That's just how I feel. I Again, I talk about the Brandon Marshall audio that we're going to get to. Again, we don't have time to get to it. We'll get to it before the show's over, damn it. I promise. Because I don't want to go another day without being able to bring this to the table and talk about Josh McDaniels and his offense. 427 is the time when we come back. Eric Galco, he'll join the show to talk a little NFL draft as far as later round draft picks go. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. There's no big secret to winning football. It's just doing what these guys do every game. Just go out and give it your best. Bottom line, I took a team to a Super Bowl and we won. I even had some guys on that team that nobody wanted. But we were a team. And that's what you guys are. You're a football team. That's kind of like a family, except you get to hit each other. But you have to stick together. Do that, you'll be fine. Thanks, Mr. Madden. 
Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. Been going fast and furious. Had John McClain talking all things NFL earlier in the show. Mike Sando from The Athletic was breaking down free agency. Now it's time to dip into the NFL draft. And to help us do that is our good friend Eric Galco, draft prospect guru, director of personnel for the Shrine Bowl. He was here in Las Vegas not too long ago. We actually got to talk to him when the Shrine Bowl was at Allegiant Stadium. And Eric, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. We do appreciate you. And wanted to talk to you about some later round draft picks. Everyone always gets fixated and fascinated about the first round and the second round, but for the Raiders, they don't pick till pick number 86. So I really have been trying to concentrate on later round guys. And one guy that I've been really fascinated by is Tariq Woolen, the uh, cornerback from UTSA, and talked about him at great length yesterday, but he actually visited with the Raiders today, and I had no idea that was going to happen. So what can you tell us about the cornerback from UTSA? He's very intrigued in terms of being a, a really impressive athlete. The real question for Tariq Woolen is he's a project that's pretty unanimous around the league. The projects sound great in theory, especially when you're the Raiders and you only have one pick in the top 100. Is that the kind of guy that you want to project your whole draft on? Right? We'll look back at the Raiders draft and say if Tariq Woolen was good, they may define whether their draft was successful or not. And I think Big Woolen's not a top 100 pick for every type of team. Right? Teams like the Eagles or the Packers who have multiple top 100 picks, you can kind of feel the risk say, okay, we'll take a roll on Tariq Wool. He's a guy that was a really impressive but really a failed receiver who couldn't figure out how to be a successful route runner, pass catcher, turned into a physically impressive but not really complete cornerback prospect yet. So for as intriguing and exciting as he is, I think the Raiders asked Devontae Adams trade really to find players who can contribute as rookies as well as emerge to be starters. I think Wall is an awfully big risk in my Las Vegas. Hmm. Okay. I like it. Uh, and that's why we uh, we reach out to you. I had a buddy to today actually tell me he was like, I don't know, Q. I think Tariq Woolen is more Obi Mellon Fonwu than you know than a, a, a shutdown <laughs> right. corner. It, would that be a good comparison for you? Yeah, and I think Obi has a lot of talent. It's just it's really hard to find the right development path for these guys. I think again, he's a great fit for a team that's got three established corners. They can kind of stretch it or really see what they have. But, again, products sound great on paper, but until they can really show they can play corner or receiver again at the level, it's hard to say that. And Tariq Wollin, again, he wasn't a special quarterback in college. He's athletic. He's impressive. But there are a lot of better quarterback options. I think in the third, fourth round of the war for a team like the Raiders. Okay, I like it. I like it. Great information right there. Again, we're talking with Eric Galco, talking all things NFL draft, a little bit of a later round pick. So if you're looking for a corner or even a couple corners and, and you're the silver and black, who would you look at in that range, that 86 pick range? I'm not sure if he'll be there for sure, but I think if he is in the mix, he's a great option. Kalen Barnes is Baylor. Fastest okay. player at the NFL combine, one of the top three fastest players. Um, in NFL combine history, I think the ability to work on the outside, to have that recovery speed, to be a special teams ace as a rookie, I think all of those reasons why he's going to go in the top 100 picks. And I think the high football IQ, the three years of starting at Baylor, and again, that makeup speed, compared to Tariq Woolen, he's a guy who's shown he can cover vertically and in a short area at the college level against big football competition. Now it comes to the Raiders where he can be kind of multifaceted player. So he's a great fit. Jack Jones of Arizona State can kind of be a plug-and-play nickel or outside man corner. Chase Lucas of Arizona State, one of the smartest players in this draft class, can play nickel and outside as well. So I think those three guys, Kalen Barnes, Jack Jones, and Chase Lucas, can offer depth in nickel and dime packages, can play on special teams, and all of the tools to be developed into outside receivers in the NFL. It all should be there around that pick 80. 
Yeah, Eric, you had a tweet earlier today where keeping with the Baylor Bears that they might have seven players drafted and that would be the most out of any team for this coming 2022 draft. Is there another team that you think could have that could match Baylor with seven picks? Which teams have the most draft-ready players in this draft? Yeah, I think, I think Baylor, I'm not sure they'll have the most draft picks, but I think they'll have a lot more than people expect out of a program like Baylor, right? Certainly, Bama is, will have seven-plus. Georgia's going to have, at this rate, seven in the first round, the way their kind of program is stacked up. But I think the, the program of Bill, what they've showed, is how important developing players is and how many really special athletes they have. And I think Baylor, as a recruiting team, back when current Panthers head coach Matt Rule was there, showed the value of finding really good athletes and having a good plan to develop them. I think that really hasn't quite happened for Matt Rule in Carolina quite yet, but I think it shows how a lot of college programs outside of the Bamas and Ohio States and, and Georgia's can develop great programs. But Barnes and Tyquan Thornton, um, Jalen Petrie, JT Woods, this goes on and on for Bill, a lot of great impressive players. But, but yeah, I think we'll see an awful lot of Georgia Bulldogs and Alabama Crimson Tide players in the first two rounds. I love the fact that you mentioned, going back a, a couple questions ago, you mentioned Kalen Barnes. He's also a guy that the Raiders have brought in for a visit, and he was at the yeah. Shrine Bowl, you know. And matter of fact, there was multiple guys at the Shrine Bowl, uh, a couple running backs, Abram Smith, uh, I believe, uh, um, who else was Tyquan Thornton was there. Um, there was yep. there was multiple Baylor Bears at the at the Shrine Bowl when you were here, right? There were. There were. It's a, it's a rising program for sure and a lot of great talent. And, again, a lot of those speed guys. Tristan Ebron was there. He's yep. one of the fastest running backs in the class. Caleb Barnes and Tyquan Thornton, two good friends, the two fastest players in the combine this year. So a lot of speed in this draft and basically a lot of it's in Baylor and a lot was at the Shrine Bowl in Las Vegas. Talking right now with Eric Galco here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. How about the defensive tackle position? That's Someone someone hit us up on the text line and asked us to ask about the D-tackle position. Uh, how many defensive tackles do you think may be available later on that are going to be guys that can contribute pretty early? Yeah, one of the hard things for teams that need defensive tackles in class, it's not a very deep group, especially after the top 17 overall picks. Once Jordan Davis and Devontae get off the board, you got guys like Travis Jones and Logan Hall will probably get picked in the top 40 picks. But after that, it's a huge drop-off. The benefit for the Raiders is that it really picks up in round three, round four. Guys like Darian Mathis of Alabama can be a versatile 3-4 or 4-3 hybrid player. Matthew Butler at Tennessee, same thing, could be that kind of versatile guy. And this draft class, very, very strong on the early part of day three with rotational, but potentially starter, nose tackles, big-body guys are the real strength of this draft class. So, I think for the Raiders, when the kind of hybrid three-tech, five-tech players can do a lot of different things, or those big nose tackles up front, and there's a lot of depth that's going to really take shape in the third, fourth, fifth round for the Raiders. You know, you mentioned Fedarian Mathis, the defensive tackle out of Alabama. He's actually been mocked to the Raiders by multiple guys at, at pick number 86. Uh, tell us a little bit more about Fedarian. What can they expect? And, and again, Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator now of the Raiders, is clearly leading to a 3-4. He's going to run you know, multiple different schemes, but it looks like it's going to be a base 3-4. Yeah, and, and they're going to, I mean, like most teams in the NFL now, they want to run hybrid stuff. They want to run 3 4 4 3, some 3 3 5, some, some kind of hybrid stuff up front. I think that's a real benefit for Mathis. And really, it's been a staple of, of Alabama defensive linemen going to the NFL if they can play both 3 4 and 4 3 defenses because Bama plays those hybrid things. So I think for Mathis, the ability to kind of be a one tech or zero tech on pass rush situations to play outside, he was really strong for a big guy that he is in space playing the option game. So I think. The real versatile is why teams maybe don't see Padarian Mathis as an obvious NFL starter and a guy worthy of a top two or early round three player, but a guy that can be a utility knife for a defensive line, especially one that wants to play a lot of hybrid stuff, and that's exactly what the Raiders need, either at pick 86 or sometimes around four. 
So many times we hear that running backs should not be taken in the first round at all. And so with that being said, let's give those people that. What did you see from the running backs at the Shrine Bowl? And how do you think that this running back class looks in this draft? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it lasts a lot of top end, top end guys, right? We'll see Brees Hall go in the top 40, 45 picks from Iowa State. I think James Cook of Georgia, really, really special. He'll go somewhere in round two. And then we'll see where Isaiah Spiller of A&M and Kenneth Walker of Michigan State go either round two or early round three. But that's really going to be it for the players. The NFL teams view are clear NFL starters or high-end versatile guys. I think after that, you talk to different teams. I talk to a lot of teams around the league. It's, it's Pierre Strong as their fifth running back or Rashawn White their fifth running back from Arizona State. So it's a lot of different players. I think teams like a running back. But you kind of start taking those guys in round four, round five in this year's draft class. So we could see four, maybe five go in the top 100. But then a big run on them in the fourth, fifth round. I think from, from guys that you know were in Las Vegas for the Shrine Bowl, Keontae Ingram of USC, mm-hmm. maybe the best pass catcher um, out, of, out of the group, Pierre Strong, maybe the best uh, pass blocker in this entire draft class out running back, Ty Chandler of North Carolina, very, very well liked. He ran a 4 3 of the NFL Combine. So there's a lot of speed, a lot of great rotational players in this draft class across the board, not just at the Shrine Bowl. But in the really the depth of the running back class will pick up in round four or round five when the Raiders can find a really good third running back for their room this season. Talking right now with Eric Galco, NFL draft prospect guru here on Raider Nation Radio 920 and Necessary Roughness. How about the offensive tackle class? Uh, the Raiders, in my opinion, uh, they went and got Alex Leatherwood last year. He was a, a projected right tackle. They moved him into guard. Maybe they kick him back. I'm not too sure what they do, but he's obviously in the mix. I think that they needed to add a little bit more depth at the very least. What do you think about that offensive tackle class, especially later on? Yeah, I, I think it's tough to expect to draft a starter and offensive tackle in, in rounds three, rounds four. Right. Right? NFL yep. teams are always going to want to overdraft those guys. You'll see more offensive linemen than you think go round one in this draft class because it's not a very top-heavy class. And when teams, especially playoff teams, what is every playoff team which they had more of? Offensive linemen and defensive backs when it comes to playoff time. So we'll see a lot of offensive linemen go round one and probably a fairly big drop-off by the time the third, fourth round comes around. But there are a couple guys that they could offer – that the Raiders could benefit from in this draft class, and that's kind of just depth. Swing tackles who can play left and right tackle. Guys like Luke Tenuta, Virginia Tech, or Max Mitchell of Louisiana Lafayette who play tackle and guard. There's a lot of those kind of guys on day three. Those are two names to know. Um, Austin Deckelitz of LSU can play left tackle, right tackle, or left guard and right guard. So I think if I'm the Raiders, I'm not going to look for a project-type player. Look for a guy who can come in, make my roster, add some depth, and then gossip that a guy goes down you've got a rookie to kind of groom and develop from there, too. But there's three or four guys, I think, around that early part of round four that could be available for Raiders who want to stockpile for sure. They're off the blind. I'm finding a starter that late in the draft. I think you're looking for fool's gold there. Right. No, I agree 100%. One guy I'm very intrigued by, just because he's his size, he's a monster, Daniel Falele from Minnesota. Uh, what are your thoughts yeah. on him? He hasn't been playing football a whole long time, but uh, he's just such a big dude. He's rare, and, and the, the old out guy kind of say is rare guys go early, right? Whether it's a Reggie Bush, who was a player we hadn't seen in the NFL in a long time, he's going to go early, or Jamarcus Russell, or Javion Clownies and Mario Williams, the guys that are really unique always go early in the draft. I'm not sure if the NFL will be, sure will be a top 10 pick, and he may have a chance of being a first-round pick. Mm. I think he'll go somewhere in that mid to early part of round two because he's so unique. And if he does hit as a prospect, if you have a right tackle who's a plus athlete who's 380 pounds and can bend and sink on the inside, there's not many. There's probably 
only a handful of humans on planet Earth who can really do that and still play football. So if a guy like Daniel Fulele hits, you've got one of the most unique players maybe NFL history with how unique his body type is. I think that's worth the risk for a team that could say, hey, at the very least, he'll be a right tackle, not dissimilar to remember from Cordy Glenn way back in the day, a bigger version of Cordy Glenn who was a monster at left tackle for the Buffalo Bills for a long time. If he's close to that, he's worth a second-round pick, but he could be a lot, lot more than that in the future. Well, it's going to be interesting. It really is. I mean, again, I'm so intrigued just by his size. He's just such a monster, 6'8 and over 380-something pounds. I mean, that's just – you got to run a country mile to get around that dude, you know? So, uh, there's, yeah. you know, he, he's going to be fun to, to watch and see what he does on the NFL level. Well, Eric, you got anything coming out that we need to be on the lookout for? Any any kind of draft breakdowns that you have coming out? Yeah, I'll probably put down a lot of players I haven't talked about quite yet. I, I kind of keep my mock draft off the Internet for a little bit and kind of stay talking with teams on that front. But I'll be talking about especially some of the guys that weren't at an all-star game in this draft class. I tweet about James, James Williams in Alabama, James Cook being an early-round draft pick, and I'll have some quarterback opinions out there as well. But, but I would say it's going to be one of the most unique quarterback years in the first two rounds I can think of. I've talked to some teams who love Malik Willis, some teams love Desmond Ritter, some teams love Sam Howell, and some teams hate all three and like Kenny Pickett. So I think we're for a while right at quarterback in this draft class, but I'll try to get some insights along the way before. Are you making your way out to Vegas or, or oh, no? I will be there, my friend. I will be there, my friend, all weekend long. So. <laughs> all right, that'll work. We'll be looking for you, my man, and I do appreciate you. We look forward to talking to you soon. Have a good, buddy. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. There he goes, Eric Galco. He said, I will be there. I will definitely be there. I'm not mad at that at all. Uh, that's that's a good time uh, for for sure. Uh, definitely looking forward to the draft being hosted right here in Las Vegas and everyone that's going to be coming to town. And I tell you, I tell you all the time, man, it's a great one networking experience, but two, just to be able to get the kind of um, you know access that we're going to have to different uh, you know draft people and draft experts and you know stuff like Daniel Jeremiah's, the David Shaw's, the Eric Galco's, you know guys like that, uh, Mel Kiper Juniors, all those cats is going to be a lot of fun to be able to interact with those guys and uh, and talk to them leading up to the draft, not to mention the guys that are going to be there in the green room preparing to cross that stage and get their name called on uh, day one and day two of the NFL draft. 4.45 is the time. We're going to come back, close out the show. Brandon Marshall. Are we going to hear from Brandon Marshall or are we going to hear from the press box? Wait a minute. I don't want to tease this. Which one am I going to hear? What do we got to do? I was hoping you wouldn't ask. It's up to you. Did the press box fire back on us? Yeah. Did they fire back on me? Yeah. Is it worth listening to? No, let's just go with Brandon Marshall. No, I mean, really, I because I want to keep this thing going because I don't want them to think that we're backing down because I know damn well I'm not going to back down to those cats. I know Jared's listening to hear if we give them some slander, and I don't mind giving them show material. I'm just saying, I don't mind. It might be the best part of the show. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, no, I, hey, look, the press box does a great job. I just like to fire up on them. Matter of fact, I can't just talk about Jared. I got to make sure to talk about Tyler to really. Let's go. We'll hear the press box. The press box fire back. Let's do. We'll do Brandon Bar- Marshall tomorrow in our short show. We'll do Brandon Marshall tomorrow in our short show. We'll talk about and hear from the press box next here on Red Nation Radio nine twenty. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. I'm gonna have to kick you. You know what today? Here's your boy Q. My man Vegas Jess said, Q, let me know when this game is happening so I can see this. Fargo Raider responded, live stream it. Make it a charity event. 211 responded, okay, if that's the case, we should do an R&R regular callers prison dodgeball game. I like how this is really developing. And then he said, for the pregame, laughing my ass off. 
He actually said another letter, but I can't really say that on the radio. Vegas Jess responded, I'm not a regular caller, but I'm a regular listener, and I show up to the remote, so count me in. Vegas Jess does show up. Matter of fact, I know you don't know because you didn't call me when you were around the corner from the house, so you couldn't come over. But Vegas Jess came to the house. His wife, Michelle, came to the house, and we all had a foosball slash air hockey game night. Hold on. Maybe I should be more offended that you didn't invite me over for game night. No, Vegas Jess hit me up and said, hey, what are you doing? Oh. You want to go out? And I said, yeah, we can go out. And I said, oh, better yet, you want to come to the house for game night? Why don't you come over to the house for game night? It was right after I got off the air one night on ESPN. Matter of fact, I even uh, reached out to Doug and Natalie, who live right across the street from me. I don't mean to disclose, you know, disclose their location of their house, but they do. But they were busy. Plus, Doug goes to bed early, so there's that. <laughs> I told him to come on over, you know. So anytime you're in the neighborhood, DeMond, feel free to reach out. We will invite you in. Noted. We'll welcome you in. Me and my dad were actually playing uh, air hockey this morning. We played a little bit. He's not a foosball guy. He's like, man, that's too complicated. He's too old for that. Well, not by, you know, not by my words, his. But, yeah. So you can, you can come on by. I told you the wife is great at foosball. We had a great competition yesterday. It got down to the wire, man. We were whap, 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 going back and forth. I won the first game. She won the second game. Then she won the third game. She got me. But I'm getting better. I'm getting better at foosball. I really am. So we're working on that. But how this all started was, first of all, it became, it was just me and you supposed to play basketball one-on-one. Then it all of a sudden became like a, 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 a Lotus broadcasting game that first reached outside of the building and brought in a bunch of different people from locations like Sam Gordon and you had uh, McMillan. You had Grill and McMillan. Yeah, but, you know, I'll setting up the clip here. I got a little override. Like, there have been some tweaks made to my team now. Oh, have they? Yeah. Well, I'll say this. On my team, because, you know, he was just, well, he's on the show, was I had Adam Hill, too. And Adam Hill's not in the building consistently. He's a co-host on Cofield and Company, but he's not, like, a regular every day. But I I still still want to keep him, though, right? Like I if someone picked them. Hondo, that would count. Okay, okay. I just want to. I, yeah. I want to make sure that your rules, because you know, I don't want you guys to change the rules on me. Because if you do, then I have to, you know, I have to renegotiate. But I want to keep Adam Hill. I want to keep Cofield. I don't know what the hell to do with Ari, but that's fine. He said the funniest thing to Adam and I yesterday, real quick. So we go in, and, and Adam's like, "Well, yeah, Ari's talking about how he's played some basketball, so don't worry." So I was like, well, we got to ask him right now. Ari's terrible. We go into Ari's little office and we ask him, like, all right, so what are your basketball bona fides? Give us the resume. He said freshman year tryouts. He made a shot. In that case, I might as well get John McClain, who at least he had 10 warm-up. <laughs> he hit the Ari's rim. Ari's terrible, dude. Ari's terrible at sports. The funniest thing, because it was straight face. Hey, hey, let me defend myself. I made a shot at freshman tryouts. He is terrible athlete. He has no athletic skill whatsoever. None. Hanging on to that that might be the only shot he's I ever made. I saw him. Yeah. I mean, every shot that I've seen him shoot, he's 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 missed. Every shot I've seen him shoot. Every shot I've seen him shoot, he's missed. I'll tell you what, brother. This dude threw a ball. We were in the parking lot one day here, and it's a, just a random red ball that I found, I think, in the garage. And so I was like, hey, Ari. I saw him walking in. I was like, hey, Ari. And I threw it to him, you know, on a dime like it was a baseball. Man, he threw that thing back. It immediately went down, straight down to the ground. Like it had no, it just, straight down. His arm wasn't warmed up. Nothing was warmed up. That was the worst throw I've seen in my life. We've had guys 
You know how you, you play baseball and the coach's son, there's one that's good and there's one that's bad. Ari was worse than the bad kid on your team. You know, there's always one bad player on your on your team. Sorry to any parents that that might have been your kid. Sorry, because I know that there's some. Like my best, one of my best friends, uh, Enrique. Enrique Zamora, who's Erica and Daniel's brother. He was terrible. He was awful. And he stood in right field. He never paid attention. He always put his hat, like he'd put his hat on. He put his, his glove over top of his head. And I'm like, Enrique, I'm yelling at him, pay attention. He's like, I don't even care. I'm just out here because my dad's forcing me. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't want nothing to do with it. The ball rolled under his legs one time. He was the worst. His brother Daniel used to get on his helmet all the time. He's like, man, you suck. He's like, I don't care. And to this day, oh, that's he, the could, worst. he could care less. He, could, he Man, if you had told him to stand out in the outfield and just, like, pick flowers, he'd be like, okay. You know, like, he had no desire to be out there. He could care less. And his dad used to be like, you're embarrassing. You're embarrassing to the family name. Like, he used to rip them. It was great. Oh, well. Anyway, back to that. Ari's terrible, and he's on my team. So he's a guy that I'll, I'll tell you right now, he will never get the ball. He'll, he could be on the court, but he'll never get the ball. I will never, ever throw him the rock. And if anyone on my team throws him the rock, I will be angry. Like, you throw it to me double-covered before you throw it to Ari. Seriously. I'll do something with it before he does anything with it. You know what? I'll give you that. Your gift to Gab. We're running out of time here, so we're not going to play this clip. <laughs> Why but not? Ed, you, I wouldn't, uh, right now. Okay, let's get into it. I'm sorry. Here's here's my genuine question for everybody in our building that is overestimating their own basketball skills. When is the last time you played basketball? To well, wait, like played, played, like played, played, or shot? No, not not just went out and shot by yourself. Just a pickup game. When's the last time you played a basketball? It can be one on one game of twenty one, like against somebody else that was an actual basketball game. When was uh, Obama in the White post, House? <laughs> post pandemic at the at the Agassi Twenty Four Hour Fitness. Oh, look at you! Whenever, because my guess is that the majority of people on the other team, Cofield, Adam Hill, uh, maybe not Sam Gordon. He's sort of a ringer that got thrown in there. But Q, they haven't played basketball in the last four months. They might have played basketball in the last year. <laughs> I played basketball last week. I am running this entire game with the exception of Sam Gordon. It's not even going to be close. If it's just Lotus Broadcasting, it's uh, not even going to be close. I just, I keep holding out on the Q man. If he listen, so if he's, he's one on my, one. He's naturally at, athletic. He's like Greg Luganis. <laughs> no, because I, 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 I think, a swimmer. Uh, if you have the offspring in college, you probably taught him a lot. Listen, did you did you Q's, teach your son about weightlifting it? <laughs> That's a good point. Q's, <laughs> Q's basketball career peak is no doubt going to be higher than mine. But if you're telling me he hasn't played basketball in months and he's 20 years older than me, he doesn't Ooh. have a shot. I love it. I love it. All right. Shots fired. I love that he's taking he's taking all the pressure on he's me. Try, he's, this is yeah, Bischoff's yeah, game yeah. Now. now. it became Bischoff versus Q. <laughs> I love this. Well, I, I have played with Little Q. I played when he was here. We played at the gym around the corner from the house. So there's that. I'm ready. I'm ready. This could turn into a one mono e mono myself versus Tyler. I just got to ask the question very respectfully. How is he going to get to the game? That's all I'm going to ask. Very respectfully. Do I got to pick him up to bring him to the game? That's all I'm going to ask. Again, he said he's played in the past week. I know. I, I, I question that. I question that. He's playing the past week. Well, then I need him to show up to the station every day and do the show. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just throwing it out there. I know that doesn't one doesn't have to do with the other, but it kind of does. 
I like it, though. Also, the clip went on to pick. They said, Damon, you're a terrible GM. You are. We're going to swap McMillan for Curtis Terry because he does Ooh, guest spots. There you go. But then I was like, if we get Curtis Terry, then it's no oh. question we win. I and mean, that's great. Be, yeah, that's, yeah. Curtis Terry is that's a right, former pick, UNLV basketball That's all right. I'll pick Brian Salmon then. I'll pick Brian Salmon. He's a, he's a hooper. He plays ball. Oh, don't get Brian. Don't get Brian twisted. Brian plays hoops all the time. He's probably in a better shape than all of us. All of us. These teams are just going to be a who's who of who's in shape right. and can play basketball yeah, in exactly. the Vegas media. We'll just keep it in the building here then. We'll keep it in the building. We'll roll with what we got. But now it's become me against Tyler. I love it. I love it. Mono y mano. One on one. Uno on uno. Let's get it. Tyler Bischoff versus Q. <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow for a quick minute, man. It's Rare Nation Radio 920.